0: Hello, and welcome back to the of E! Podcast. This is your Captain's Log for February 2023. And I am your captain, Noah Blanchard. I am flying solo, people, uh, so be forewarned. I will try and be brief, uh, but long enough to justify an episode this week. Uh, the Captain's Log! A uh, new semi-regular segment. This will be as regular as it needs to be. One of my goals for 2023 with the network is to... Uh, and this feed in particular, is to actually have an episode for you every single week on Wednesday. And, uh, I didn't have one ready to go, uh, we've got some ongoing series, we'll talk about that in a moment, but, uh, you know, I'm filling in the weeks in between, and Gavin's been a bit busy, so I decided to jump on here and, uh, try something new for a bit so the captain's log is going to be uh where you can find out about everything that's going on on the site the network at large and also kind of a personal log of what i've been watching uh listening to reading etc so what's been going on on the arc of E in 2023 well on this very feed we have two uh ongoing series limited series but ongoing One is Rewinding Refn, which is the second episode I've just dropped this past week. Hope you enjoyed that. That's my solo-hosted series, but features a lot of guests. And I'm covering the uh, work of NWR, Nicholas Winding Refn, in reverse. So we started out with Copenhagen Cowboy, his new Netflix series. And just recently we talked Too Old to Die Young. That was actually kind of a flashback episode uh, from when we originally covered it back in 2019. And our next episode for next month will be The Neon Demon. So if you're wanting to follow along, you should check that out. It is always available on Amazon Prime because they helped produce it. So check that out there. And of course, To Old to Die Young, you can watch on Amazon as well. So uh, check that out if you are so inclined. That's definitely a, a bit of an ask, but that's going to run throughout the year. On a more limited front, we've been running... Uh, Riding, rather, on the Road to Reckoning, Gavin and I have. We're covering the Mission Impossible franchise, all six of them, before Dead Reckoning Part 1 drops in July. So you're getting one of those the uh, the last Wednesday of every month. So next week, you get uh, kind of the stinker of the bunch, unfortunately. Kind of the only weak link in an otherwise uh, f- rather flawless franchise. Uh, that would be MI2. Uh, from the year 2000, so uh, tune in. It's a fun episode. Gavin and I have a fun time uh, uh, tearing it apart a bit and t- and talking about how it was uh, you know kind of a kind of the franchise operating on a bit of a knife's edge. You didn't know where it was going to go, and notably, it to go dormant for a little bit before they uh, they really kicked it back into high gear with Mi3. Uh, so looking forward to that episode as well Or, I believe Mr. Tim Niles is finally going to join us for an episode and uh, Mr. Brendan Riley is going to join us for Rogue Nation and Fallout so look forward to those episodes and if you want to be on the Ghost Protocol episode email me, thearchivee at gmail.com and maybe we'll have a special guest if that's your favorite of the franchise we have yet to book a guest so let us know Alright, uh, those are, that's what's going on on this feed, and we will check in soon, as soon as I can get Gavin back in studio, to do our Oscar predictions. The Oscars are just a few weeks away, and that has become an ongoing tradition, where we lay out our picks, and then, uh have absolutely no consequences for who wins, uh, even though we always say we're going to. But maybe we'll, maybe we'll correct that this year, because I think it's going to be a rather interesting ceremony. I'm actually looking forward to watching it, which is not always the case when uh, it comes to the Oscars, but more on that on a future episode when Gavin rejoins us. Elsewhere on the network, the Bending not Breaking crew has broken ground. On season seven, their final season, featuring the original lineup of Mr. Sunshine Mayfield and Mr. Ben Pruitt, and they are working their way through the final season of the Legend of Korra. Uh, in the interim, Ben Pruitt killed it with a uh, an amazing run on the Dragon Pod, covering uh, the Dragon Prince, which airs on Netflix, and he talked to so many of the creators. So we've got they've got a lot of amazing guests lined up for you in the Korraverse. But this is them rounding out. ...all of the Avatar-related content that has been released thus far, and we're going to see what happens next. But uh, this will be Mayfield's last year with the pod, or last season with the pod, rather. Uh, He's a very, very busy man and has recently gotten married, so he will be moving on to bigger and better things. But we'll still check in with us every once in a while, and Ben will be uh, maintaining the pod in some sort of capacity, but more on that when we have more to tell you. For now, I can tell you, go check out their season four kickoff pod, where they kind of let you know what's going on with, uh, the final season, and then episode one, which is just the boys, no guest, uh, to kick things off, uh, which is entitled After All These Years, and they look at that through the lens of time. Highly recommend it. I do produce those episodes, and it is uh, the most successful podcast in our network's history. We're very, very proud of it, proud to be a part of it, uh, and we we appreciate all of you amazing listeners for checking it out every single week. Uh, That's Bending Not Breaking. If you're not already following, go check it out. Alrighty. So, that's kind of all the current housekeeping as far as the pods go, but we are trying to bring you a good bit of content on the actual website those things still exist, uh, you can go check them out, Uh Two big things, uh, we have our monthly wrapped series, uh, which will probably drop the first of every month, but uh, we'll be kind of keeping a live log, similar, you know, very similar to the vein of this episode, but uh, that's mainly curated by Mr. Sunshine Mayfield, uh, and it's just kind of a running log of what we saw within the month and ranked out for like what we thought was the best thing. Not necessarily the worst thing, but just, you know, our least favorite to most favorite thing of a given month. And that mostly is going to range just movies and TV, but we might throw in an album or something every once in a while. We're going to have fun with it. So if, you, if you're if you into reading, you can do that, thearchive.com. And it's right there on the homepage. You can check that out. Just below that on the homepage is also... The Nicolas Cage Challenge 2023, also a new ongoing article series, uh, blog, if you will, from Mr. Sunshine Mayfield, who has endeavored to watch every single Nicolas Cage film uh, under the sun, including the ones he has already seen, but he's uh, he's going through all the blind spots. And yes, we are referring to all of the VOD trash. Uh, He's going to do it so you don't have to, and he is keeping a log of those as he goes along. Uh, we have a January update. He's seen a lot more movies since then. Keep an eye out for the February update coming very, very soon, as soon as I can update the article. But uh, he's already found some gems, so I highly recommend it if you're a Nick Cage fan or a, uh, a neophyte and you just want to start exploring. Uh, you can you can do that. It's going to be a, a fun time. I, I don't know why he took this on. I think it's uh, a rather insane challenge. Uh, but... He likes to do this. Last year it was all of the Star Wars content ever. I don't know that he actually completed that. Maybe we'll have to check in with him sometime. But I look forward to Mayfield hopefully joining me on the Neon Demon. But if you want to hear him elsewhere, of course check in with Bending Out Breaking. And if you want to read what he's doing, check out the site. Alright, that that's pretty much it on the housekeeping front. For uh, everything that I can think of So now I'm going to bore you uh, Or try not to anyways With what I've been watching uh, we will trying to give some structure to this So uh, just kicking things off For the year my big uh, Big rewatch was I went through The entire Mission Impossible franchise I already plugged the show uh, Stay tuned like I said Those are dropping the end of every month It's going to be a fun time Super pumped for Dead Reckoning uh, Yeah get on, get on the road to Reckoning So After that, we'll stay in the rewatch category. I'll build up to the new stuff. Uh, I was in a cruise mood, so I revisited Minority Report, which is available on Amazon Prime right now. I won't won't say that seeing the Fableman's Tale end of last year really put me in, like, a Spielberg mood, but I did immediately, I believe I caught, like, Catch Me If You Can towards the tail end of last year. I went back to a few that I hadn't seen in a bit. I tried to give Kingdom of the Crystal Skull another chance, didn't really go over well, you know, I thought maybe all these years later I'd feel differently, I, I felt a little more generous towards it, but not by much, anyways, but the cruise of it all combined with the tale, you know, that little bit of Spielberg love I had in me at the moment, uh, led me to Minority Report, which holds up as a stone-cold classic in my book, a movie i burnt out on dvd uh this hit right at the perfect era i remember of having that and i believe the first spider-man sam raimi spider-man and just yeah i I, it was almost like those two movies were just on a loop for a year as far as i was concerned okay elsewhere on the rewatch front little children uh very heavy one that i had not revisited in quite a while and uh remembered uh a bit differently than it actually played out this is of course is todd field's second film any listeners of our 2x2 Retro Reviews or just recent episodes of this pod in general will know he is one of my favorite directors. His new film, Tar, uh, is up for several Academy Awards. I look forward to seeing if it is able to clench any of them outside of the obvious for uh, Miss Cate Blanchett. Anyways, he is one of my favorite directors, and I had intentionally kind of not revisited this one because in my memory it was a one and dunner It was so heavy, like, why would you ever go back to that? But I'm glad I did, because it is uh, one of those movies that, if you're on the wavelength with it, is very slyly funny, uncomfortably so, but very, very funny. Uh, very watchable, way more watchable than I remembered it. And while it, again, the magic of it is while it deals with some incredibly heavy themes, it uh, it's just, it. I don't know, it kind of feels light, of, light as a feather at the same time. Incredible performances across the board. And uh, I did not, you know, I did not dread going back to it. Now I'm oddly excited to see it again, even though, of course, In the Bedroom is a movie I watch, like, at least twice a year, uh, which arguably is way darker and way heavier. So if you're in a field mood or uh, you just checked out Tar, I highly recommend checking out Little Children. I believe it's streaming on HBO Max right now. And, of course, Tar is newly available on Peacock if you are a Peacock subscriber. So uh, check out my second favorite movie, of 2022 moving further down the list uh blank check is one of my favorite movie podcasts i I, if if there's even a chance that you're listening to me i'm sure you are aware of blank check the podcast uh arguably the best movie podcast on the planet absolutely love them they are currently covering mr danny boyle so i am kind of following along i'm not going to do everything but revisiting some old favorites i went back to shallow grave which holds up quite well uh, probably haven't seen that since I was about thirteen. Uh, same with Train Spotting, which I definitely watched a bunch at the time, but uh, had not revisited in forever. And manages to feel like a total time capsule movie, but still like as fresh as the day I watched it. And through an adult quote unquote adult lens, uh, is kind of a miracle of a movie. Another, uh, if we're talking about. Uh, tone, as far as little children was concerned, train spotting is the ultimate of how how do you make a movie that's that dire and has some of that content in it, still uh manage to have this just like energy that, you know, is propulsive throughout and never never dips too far into like, oh, this is so depressing, I gotta turn it off. It never becomes Requiem for a dream, uh somehow. So Anyways, those were interesting rewatches. I'm very much looking forward to The Beach, which I believe will be this coming Sunday, so I will be revisiting that. Always a uh, a secret favorite of Gavin and mine's. Uh, maybe we'll talk about it at some point. I don't, I'm surprised it hasn't come up on a 2x2 Retro Review, but we've kind of put that on hold, uh, which reminds me... Uh, we have a uh, 2x2 workaround for, uh, for Season 4. Something different for you, specifically involving... Uh, our seven-year anniversary, but I will save that for when Gavin's around, and we'll announce the lineup. Very excited. We're, we're doing something similar. Uh, that's a weird, weird teaser. Okay, back to the list. Use, use a guide, Noah. This is so weird when I don't have anybody to talk to. Uh, it's very easy to get lost. Back to the list. Men, uh, a movie from 2022 that i wanted to revisit before i finalized my list for a lot of the year this was very high up there um and then i kind of arbitrarily bumped it down because i was like i I didn't have time to revisit it maybe it's not as strong in my memory and i kind of wish i hadn't uh incredible film alex garland It's his third outing, speaking of The Beach. He uh, he wrote the novel that The Beach is based on, and he's worked with Boyle before. What a perfect segue that I totally did not use, but... Okay, so Alex Garland, this is his third film after The Incredible Ex Machina and Annihilation, a film that I still need to go back and properly wrap my arms around. But, men, this was my second time through. It is streaming on Showtime now, if you are a Showtime subscriber. stars Jesse Buckley... And, uh, Rory Kinnear, and it is a, uh, rather, I, I, it's one of those movies I don't want to say too much about the trailer, definitely gives you the vibe, and is definitely not going to be for everybody, but contains imagery that I, um, maintain I've never seen before, and probably will never see again, and, uh, has completely stuck with me, uh, It's one of those movies that I I liked as it was going along, and then it it just showed me something I'd never seen before and took it to a whole other level for me. Uh, Not for the faint of heart, may not like where it goes, kind of wears its uh, text on its sleeve, it's not the most subtle movie in the world, but uh, I enjoyed The Ride. Jessie Buckley is one of my favorite working actresses, and she's rather incredible in this, as is Rory Kinnear, who's always solid as well. Alright,y further down the line, I uh, rewatched The Greatest Concert Film Ever Made, stop making sense, which is streaming through AMC Plus, I believe. Uh, I'm trying to shout out where you guys can check out all this stuff. This of course is the uh, The Talking Heads documentary concert film directed by the incredible Jonathan Demme, and it is a masterpiece and it holds up 110%. I've been uh, I've taken to ranking or at least rating my rewatches of things the way I would a current movie to see how they hold up. And uh this one's still a stone cold 10 out of 10. I just wanted to say that. I'll highlight those as I get to them. I don't know if we have any more for this month, but uh that was definitely. Oh, excuse me. Right after it, I uh followed up with the one two punch if you will of uh Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2. It is the 20 year anniversary essentially, even though Volume 2 was broken out to 2004. It's the 20 year anniversary of the whole bloody affair, which still doesn't technically exist but you can make it yourself these movies both hold up incredibly well and uh, watching them as I tend to do now as kind of a massive 4 hour plus uh, journey is a very fun time. Uh, Volume 2 is probably the Tarantino movie I've seen the most along with Jackie Brown but uh, And so I always kind of gave it a slight edge. This was right around, the, like, right as it hit DVD was right when I was quote-unquote allowed to see Tarantino movies. One of the few directors my mom had ever been like, no, you gotta wait on those. You gotta wait a little bit, so. Uh, but yeah, something magical about that time. Volume 2, I've seen, up, you know, upwards of 20 times probably. And held up, but I, again, I kind of, I guess I tended to underrate Volume 1, but taken as a whole... Oh, what an incredible piece that I feel like we don't really Talk about anymore when it comes to Tarantino I feel like that the Kind of in between Jackie Brown And Inglorious Bastards uh, People seem to forget That there was, there was some good stuff in there Huge fan of Death Proof as well Okay Sword of Trust uh, A movie I've talked about before I think it was on my long list for movies a couple years ago The late great Lynn Shelton uh, Directed A fantastic, just just small little character movie. Uh, Mark Maron uh, is kind of the main lead in there. Fantastic cast all around. Uh, It is, I believe... Where did I watch Sword of Trust? I believe it is streaming through AMC Plus as well. Uh, Check it out on Prime if you missed it the first go around. Just a great small... uh, A a comedy that's not forced at all. Just... uh, very chill, very grounded, and a very interesting story that I don't want to spoil for you. But check out the trailer. It tells you the vaguest uh, outline of where it's going. But again, it's not about... Uh, it's not a plot movie. It's not a plot movie. Sort of Trust. Check that one out. Uh, I revisited The Neon Demon. I won't spoil for you how I felt about it on my recent rewatch. We'll save that for the next episode of Rewinding Raven. Plug, 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 once again. Uh, back to the man who kicked it off kind of for the year uh edge of tomorrow starring mr tom cruise and emily blunt also known as live i repeat or what it should have been called all along all you need is kill uh the r- rather re- remark you know this movie hit when it came out and it was it definitely i feel like has had some staying power the, aside from the title confusion but this is one of those looking back at it uh, First of all, when it popped up on HBO Max, it was just like, they, they're they killing it with that range of movies from the last, like, 10 to 15 years that I saw, liked, probably own, and have in a pile somewhere, which I do. I have Edge of Tomorrow and Blu-ray. But uh, suddenly when I see it on a streamer, it's like, oh, that's the kick in the ass to watch it. So uh, that's how that went. Rewatching it, i this was one of those movies I was like, the fact that this was not... Um, in the five nominees that you're for editing specifically is unfathomable to me. It is one of the most expertly edited movies. Taking the concept of Groundhog Day and applying it to a sci fi action adventure film is a great concept, but that concept could have, you know, fallen flat on its face if it wasn't executed properly. And Doug Lyman, and I don't know who the credited editor is on it, I don't have them in front of me, but shout out to whoever that was. You absolutely killed it. Great chemistry between the two of them, which is not always a guarantee when you have crews paired up with, a, you know, a, you know, basically second lead, but Emily Blunt absolutely kills it. They have great chemistry between each other. Movies consistently funny. Uh, a plot that you don't have to think too hard about, but just great energy. I, I, I would watch another one of these. Give me, give me something else in this vein, bud. You know, whenever you're done with your franchises and, like, conquering the box office again all right uh somewhat inadvertent but i guess it's been a bit of a i i did, uh, unconsciously gone into black history mode but i i re training day another one that dropped on hbo max that i've seen a billion times but i was like you know what why not and then i was in a denzel mood so inside man is over on prime and i rewatched that as well and uh that put me in a spike mood and then I rewatched Malcolm X, which I'd recently got the Criterion edition of for Christmas. Thank you, Mom. And uh that was incredible. And then I I did something I haven't done yet. I I rewatched Black Klansman, which listeners may know was my favorite film of the year it came out, which I believe was 2018. And uh I don't know if it's the stark contrast of that against Malcolm X, which I think is a undisputed ten out of ten masterpiece. Uh But yeah, Black Clansman, good movie, a borderline great movie that did not quite hold. I was maybe a little hyperbolic, and I I don't know that I'll ever fully get over that theatrical experience, which was very memorable uh, for anybody who knows how that film ultimately plays out, where it goes in its very closing moments. Uh, But separated from that, which I I remember people at the time arguing that that element of tying it to a real-world event kind of dated the film, Instantly. And I remember not feeling that way in the theater, but a few years later, it is kind of a oh, you could have showed anything there at the end. And that's kind of even more upsetting, is like there was so much more to come. So, uh, some aspects of that. And then I could not get this out of my head, but Terrence Blanchard, who I normally love as a composer, um, I think is kind of phoning it in in the back half of this movie. And I could not get it out of my head. Uh, There's kind of a repeating motif. That just feels like we couldn't do anything else here, and it's just a little lackadaisical, a little low energy for that climax, which um, needs a little more juice to it, I would say. Uh, Still, great John David Washington performance, star-making in my eyes, uh, and fantastic Adam Driver as well, and a genuinely funny script that I think holds up as still being very entertaining and contains one of my all-time favorite Spike sequences, uh, which is the... uh, too-late-to-turn-back-now dance uh, club montage, uh, which happens about a half hour into the movie. Just great uh, electric stuff that I will never forget. So, yeah, that's it on the rewatch front. I will now move in to some new movies, and then we'll talk TV, and then we'll get the hell out of here. How's that sound? Okay, uh, I talked about it briefly, and I've written about it as well for the site, but Skinnamarink uh, was my first theatrical... Experience of the year And one that is now available uh, If you are a Shutter subscriber At home for everyone And I've kind of noticed a debate uh, Sunshine Mayfield saw this and did not go for it at all He saw it at home And we kind of had the reverse debate where I was like "Ah, Maybe I would have thought it was even more effective at home And maybe he would have gotten more locked into it If he was in the theater At, At this point I don't know And there are a few theaters around the country that are still doing You know kind of like one week screenings of it Late night screenings Trying to kind of make it into a midnight movie sort of thing But I think this movie is really going to live or die at home Because of the the isolated feel of it What it's going for And so I'm interested to see what more and more people think of it I have said from the get-go This is not for everybody This is truly an experimental art film That got a semi-major major release uh, 600 screens is a semi-major, right? I mean, come on The man made a million dollars after spending 15000 It's pretty remarkable and who knows what he sold it to Shutter for? So, uh, Kyle Edward Ball is the filmmaker. Skinmarink is the movie. It's not going to be for everybody. If you tap out, I, I don't begrudge you. But uh, some of you may find the one of the scarier movies or more effective movies you've seen in recent memory. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about it. You got to decide for yourself. This is not one I will give you a hard and fast thumbs up or thumbs down. On still waiting to see what my brother thought of it because he. Uh, Damn near shit his pants at the trailer So uh, we'll see We'll see, very excited uh, This tied in with a uh, blank check I never caught Wendell and Wilde From Tailwind last year And right before they got into Danny Boyle They were covering Henry Selleck This of course was the kind of uh, Long gestating uh, Next Henry Selleck thing Featuring Key Peel and also co-written by Jordan Peel, And it kind of came and went on Netflix if you're a stop motion fan I think there is some absolutely like astounding uh, just technical work in this film uh, it's, it's uh, arguably a little overstuffed but that's not a bad thing to me uh, some great vocal performances Angela Bassett in particular stands out and uh, of course Kean Peel themselves uh, The Great Thing Raves is uh, fantastic in here and uh, I, I had a good time with it. I, I, I'm kind of not mad that I waited. I feel like if you watch this right around Halloween and we're wanting like, oh, I want like Nightmare Before Christmas vibes or something like that. Like That's why I feel like maybe it didn't make quite as much of a dent as when they released it in October. But I'm glad I caught up with it. A little disappointed to see it didn't make the shortlist for Academy Awards, even though clearly I think it's Pinocchio and Del Toro's year. But uh, Wendell & Wild, check it out uh, if you want to. That's on Netflix. Uh, new to me, we talked about this, uh, on our Mission Impossible episode, uh, the first one, Road Reckoning, uh, in relation to De Palma, I had never seen Dress to Kill, uh, start to finish his, uh, one of his many lurid 80s psychosexual thrillers, this one starring Michael Caine, uh, Nancy Allen, uh, Keith Gordon, and Angie Dickinson, and, uh, I, I loved it, I- again, late to the party, but, uh. Just a, a great little sleazy thriller uh, that's incredibly well shot and well paced and uh, yeah, I that one that unfortunately had been spoiled for me in some aspects, but uh, it was good to know that like, you know, you can still walk into a De Palma movie where you know most of the beats and still be just knocked out by the the sheer river of filmmaking and uh, that's what it was, Dressed to Kill, uh, very good time. Chungking Express for Mr. Wong Kar Wai. I am, uh, my kind of background uh, thing I'm working on for this year in terms of my movie watching is uh, taking off some of the Sight and Sound films that I have not seen. Sight and Sound released their uh, top 100 films of all time last year, and uh, some things have shifted on the list. And so I'm trying to uh, catch some. I've seen, I would say, probably about 25 to 30 ish, as I remember. Of the top 100, so I was like, let's let's clear some blind spots. Wong Kar Wai is somebody I had only explored very very briefly. I saw *In the Mood for Love* just recently, a couple years ago during lockdown, and uh, was pretty bowled over by it. Incredible film, and uh, a huge chunk of his filmography is actually available on HBO Max via Turner uh, Classic or whatever kind of agreement they have with Criterion. Uh, so I checked out *Chungking Express*. This was his 1994. Uh, Pseudo romantic comedy. I don't. It's kind of genreless. That's kind of what I love about his stuff. But it's uh, about two love-lorn detectives. Uh, their stories are kind of told in vignettes, and uh, I loved it. It just has a great energy, a, a feel, kind of on, a, a very unique, uh, just vibe. All its own, and I look forward to checking out all of the other big ones from that period, which are all, like I said, available on HBO Max. So, uh, but Fallen Angels is next on my list, uh, and then we've got Happy Together, I believe, uh, and a few others. But, uh, the great Tony Leung is, uh, in there. Some of you, I guess, would more now recognize him as the villain in, uh, Shang-Chi. So, uh, yeah, if you want to go take a look back, uh, their collaborations are very storied and very uh, well regarded. So, go do that. Other new things. Ah, uh, everything, everywhere, all at once is my my. You know what I'm rooting for for best picture, and I, I totally escaped me that Mr. Daniel Scheinert, one half of the Daniels, had solo directed a movie whose title had intrigued me. And whose cast had intrigued me, but I had never quite gotten to. The Death of Dick Long is an A24 release, which is available on Showtime right now. And it is... Uh, stars Andre Hyland. That's part of why I got into this. Uh, huge fan of him as a comedian, and he has had some bit parts in some of my favorite indie movies in recent memory. Uh, huge, huge fan of his sequence in Relaxer, a movie that I absolutely love from a couple years ago. Joel Petrakis, where are you? Please make another movie. Uh, okay. So... Death of Dick Long, uh, follows two, uh, two buddies, uh, three friends rather, but, uh, two buddies who have to cover up the, uh, accidental death of, uh, their buddy Dick Long, I won't tell you, I, I won't tell you any more than that, it is a, uh, a very, uh, Coen Brothers with a Twist sort of movie, it's, uh, it's that vibe, uh, and... I found it very funny and quite charming and in that Daniels sort of way of being completely irreverent and like how how are they getting the heart into something that is so patently absurd or uh, ridiculous or gross and, uh, they, and he does it. Uh, it Maybe not as like visually astounding but it's also, it's not going for that. Uh, it's a different vibe. I see why it's not a collaboration between the two of them but definitely has uh, a lot of the DNA from uh, Swiss Army Man. And everything, everywhere, all at once, so if you, if you want a uh, more of the Daniels, or at least one of them, go check out The Death of Dick Long, it was a pretty good time. I saw Infinity Pool in theaters, uh, wrote about it for the site, uh, Mayfield enjoyed it as well, this is the latest from Brandon Cronenberg, starring Alexander Skarsgård, and the incomparable Mia Goth, uh, who is absolutely incredible in this film, as she is in everything. Uh... If you've seen the trailer, it gives it a nice little setup, but this, uh, this is definitely one of those that is not for everybody, not a great date movie, and, uh, if you don't know what you're in for, you're probably gonna leave the theater very upset. Uh, but if you knew what you were getting into, like myself and most of my friends, you had an absolute blast with it because it completely delivered. Uh, it's more approachable, I would say, just from a rewatchability standpoint than, uh, Cronenberg's prior movie possessor, which I also did revisit recently. Uh, and uh, yeah, still still one of those you gotta be in the mood for. But Infinity Pool is uh just as just as dark, but uh, I think just a little more fun in its subversion and uh, what it's kind of critiquing. So uh, I had a great time with it., uh, some fantastic imagery. And, again, another stellar performance for me at Goth. Also really enjoyed Skarsgård and his continued commitment to just making himself as uh, disgusting as possible on screen every once in a while. Just just turning up the sleaze factor uh, and the grossness. So, uh, check out Infinity Pool. It's playing currently in theaters, and I, as I understand it, the unrated cut will be making its way to VOD and Blu-ray very, very soon. I look forward to that. It, of course, originally received an NC-17, as apparently all Brandon Cronenberg movies will do. Okay. Speaking of NC-17 films, or just straight-up unrated films, uh, I... Finally watched a, uh, a movie that has eluded me for several years, a uh, no, rather notorious film from Japan, a co-pro with France, actually, called In the Realm of the Senses. Uh, some people may be familiar with this one. If you're not, uh, I don't want to be the one to inform you about it. All I will say is it is a, uh, I, I use heavy quotes in this, an erotic thriller uh, from the 70s uh, that is just walks the line uh between what is art and pornography and is one of the most explicit films i've ever seen when it comes to sex uh it will you know it'll make you blush and then some and then make you so uh uncomfortable that you you're like okay a movie can never shock me ever again uh I'm not mad I had the experience. uh, It's definitely one of those you constantly find in the 500 movies you must see before you die sort of list. And uh, I don't regret watching it, but I will never, ever watch it again. I will tell you that. Uh, In the realm of the senses, uh, yeah, enter at your own peril. Other new to me, but old movies, I had never seen, nobody had ever told me about a movie starring Clint Eastwood and a young Jeff Bridges called Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. I, of course, had heard the title Thunderbolt and Lightfoot many a time and never realized that it's basically a Hangout movie with uh, two legendary movie stars, one on the come-up and one already very well-established. And uh, I had a great time with it. I don't know how it had escaped me, but uh, glad I checked it out. Original music by Nilsson, I believe, Harry Nilsson. And... uh, just, just kind of uh, two dudes who, two outlaws who kind of hook up and go on a series of adventures together, and uh, like most seventy movie seventies movies, it ends tragically and abruptly. And uh, kind of, I was like, oh, I was having a good time, and then uh, we just kind of take a huge nose dive in the last fifteen minutes. But yeah, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. And I know a lot of people are like, you, it seems like you would have seen that many a time, considering a lot of the other things you talk about. But it had escaped me. It's available on Amazon Prime right now. Check it out. New in the theater, saw Knock at the Cabin uh, two weeks ago now, the latest M. Night Shyamalan joint, and I enjoyed it. Uh, It was number one at the box office, and it it took a steep drop to, I believe, the fifth or sixth slot this weekend. Uh, Not great word of mouth on this one, but I will give it some, some reasonable and solid word of mouth. I thought this was... A better film than old, a movie I think I thoroughly enjoyed in the theater, but I think just kind of completely falls apart in the third act. It has a huge, huge third act problem. Knock at the Cabin does not have a third act problem in my eyes. Uh, It has just some general issues that have plagued, for me, a lot of the late-period Shyamalan movies, a guy I'm always rooting for. uh, We've talked about him here on the pod before. Um, I mean, I, I grew up on these movies. I will never forget the theatrical experiences of The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, uh, signs even up through the village. Uh, just all unforgettable experiences. But I, I do remember also that the village was the first time people actively turned on him in the theater. It was the first time I'd ever experienced that, and that's when I was first like, oh, maybe he's not for everybody anymore. Maybe he's just for me. And then he kind of completely burned that bridge, but he he rebuilt it very quickly over the last couple of years. So Knock at the Cabin is based on a book Called The Cabin at the End of the World by Paul Tremblay, I believe And uh, I was not familiar with the book prior I know it was a bestseller And some people have some issues with the changes to the book I won't talk about all of those here What I will say, I think the movie's worth seeing Whether you go in the theaters or catch it very soon when it drops on VOD For one main reason And that is an absolutely incredible performance from Dave Bautista Arguably the best of his career thus far And I I think kind of does go in that pantheon of Bruce Willis in Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, Melly Mel, say what you will, in Signs, uh, as just kind of iconic lead Shyamalan performances. I I think he's amazing in this movie and kind of a pleasure to watch. I can't say that for every member of the cast, and I don't want to harp on anybody here, but there are some uh, that kind of left me wanting. One in particular, which is also very crucial, i i feel like people are going you know if i tell you this is the best thing he's done in a while you're going to be disappointed by it if i tell you it was a good time you you may think i bait and switched you but i you know i think it's worth checking out but you'll know where you currently stand with uh with Shyamalan these days so uh yeah that's knock at the cabin moving along uh this past weekend, the big Valentine's Day weekend release, uh, which was came out number one with a scant uh, $8.9 million, Magic Mike's Last Dance. Now, I kind of, uh, we could try and call him. We could try and call him. We'll, we'll give it a shot. We'll see what he's doing. If he doesn't answer, we'll breeze right through this. I saw this with my buddy, Brendan Riley. Hold on just a moment. That'll be. What's up, buddy? What you doing? Uh, I'm recording a podcast. You're live on the air.
1: Oh,
0: hey guys! <laughs> What's uh, up? Uh, so I'm doing a, I'm doing a solo pod, and yeah. I uh, I've just I was going through what I've been watching, what I saw recently. I just talked about Knock at the Cabin, but I was about to get into Magic Mike's Last Dance, and I was like, let's let's call let's call the dude I saw him with, <laughs> get his two cents. So uh, uh, I'm happy to add my my two cents. Okay, so. I'm gonna, here. I think we've got. Let's see how well you're coming through here. Talk for a second. We'll do a little live check, mic check. Check, check, check. One, Kay. two, one, two. All right. I think we can hear you pretty good. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, let's start with Knock at the Cabin. I, I gave my brief rundown of it. Uh, give your give your capsule review real quick, and then we'll talk Magic Mike.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, you know, you and I talked about it afterwards, and we both enjoyed it. One of us. Um, enjoyed it a little bit more, uh, but nonetheless, I, I I did I did like it. I thought that that was probably Batista's best performance that I've ever seen I from agree. him. Yes. Uh, you know, what what was probably the biggest twist for me was the fact that there was no twist. <laughs> you know, like Imani Shablon known for his uh like underlying thing that's going on an underlying message or his underlying twist, or you know you're trying to figure out this movie the whole time but this movie was was pretty predictable and, and it stayed suit the whole time you yeah. know
0: similar uh, to similar to signs and as much as that's another movie where it's like it's the the twist in signs spoiler alert spoiler alert for an almost 20 year old movie nope whoa yeah roughly. Uh the sp- the twist in signs is that God exists, <laughs> that that God is real, essentially. Yeah. Um, and yeah, not to I mean, I guess spoilers for Knock at the Cabin, but you kind of maybe we're already assuming this, but it's very much in that same vein. I won't spoil it for people, but it's essentially like, hey, the the thing you think might be happening, like it it is happening. It actually, all right? it actually <laughs> is happening,
1: right? There it was there was probably about forty five minutes of the movie maybe an hour 45 minutes whatever it is where i'm like all right cool i'm waiting for the floor to be taken out where where is this actually going to go <laughs>
0: and yeah because we it's, were already
1: on the train we were already
0: going right well it's one of those movies that works its way toward and you're if you're engaged with it you're like okay well there's literally there's only three maybe four possibilities for how this can right. play out and so you're just right. kind of like which one are they going to pick and so there right. maybe it's a little like dramatically inert in that way where you're just kind of like, all right, well just, how's it going to wrap up? But I think again, Bautista is kind of like what, what carries you through even those moments where you're like, I think I know where this is going. Yeah.
1: I, I, I already liked Bautista. I don't know if too many people look at him as like a serious actor, you know, one of those I, I, I think he's, I think he's professional professional officially,
0: actor. yeah, I think he's officially uh, moved into like, you know, yeah, people take him seriously.
1: But for for me, and I and I, I I was a Batista fan before, but I think that this performance showed me another side of him. Where I'm like, oh, he's got rage, you know. I, I didn't know that that he had that capability. Um, did you know, see I don't, Blade I don't wanna, Runner? Like, oversell it, and people be like, well, you know, whatever. But nonetheless, his performance was really good. Agreed. Uh, did you
0: see so Blade I, Runner? Did I see what Blade Runner 2049. Ah, uh, I did. I, I did, feel no, like that not, was it's it's very brief in that you know two hour forty minute movie, but I feel like that was the first time people were like, "Oh, Dave Bautista!" Like, okay, that was an interesting use of him, and then just like since then, he's steadily just been putting in interesting work in a lot of different stuff. Yeah, so and,
1: I, and here's the thing: the the new Blade Runner, I you know I remember it, but not enough to, to comment on his performance and that. I gotcha. Um,
0: so we both kind movie, of agree. Movie see it, see it for was Bautista.
1: Fun. Yes. Um, it was a good time. Uh I liked how, you know, you pretty much dive right into the action. And, and and it's just it's it's such like a a slow I don't want to say slow build, right? But like the terror up front is not so terror because they're you know they're not like trying to be terrifying if that makes any sense. You know if right. you've seen the movie yeah. and I'm not trying to spoil anything. Uh but They they jump right into the action and it's and it's good uh, and it kind of stays consistent the whole time. I I enjoyed the movie. At at the end of it, you know, you had to spell out the the underlying uh,
0: ethos, if you will, to the movie. Well, the the Uh, movie the movie graciously uh, does that for you as well. But I had to
1: restate it to you. I'm like, oh, I didn't get that. And you are like, what do you mean you didn't get it? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, but but nonetheless, uh, good movie great performance by Batista and it's not your typical twist of a M. Night Shyamalan movie that I was expecting.
0: Word. All right. So yeah, a, a general, like go see it from, uh, from Brendan yeah. and Noah. Um, sure. I think we're, I think we're a little more divided on the next one. Uh, 100%, 100%. <laughs> the, the third outing in the, in the, the fantastic trilogy, uh, magic Mike's last dance, uh, it was number one at the box office. I don't know if you saw that. I did not see that. It, al- it only made like eight point nine million dollars, but it was still <laughs> number one. How much? Like eight point nine. Didn't even crack ten. Uh-huh. But uh, it was number one, nevertheless. Uh, um, I loved it. You thought it was okay.
1: It was okay. I mean, it was it was solidly okay. <laughs> you know, I and, and I don't know how much you do or don't want me spoil here so i don't think it's I,
0: I, say I don't think it's a very spoilable movie <laughs> reverse, um, though, I don't think so, happens, so so just just spoilers spoilers magic mike is in this movie and he does in fact perform a last dance okay just wanted to so, clarify that for anybody who was wondering he does know. in fact perform his last dance
1: you, you know, everything Everything I told you, man, like the, the movie had a good build up to what I thought was going to be a good plot, if you want to say that Magic Mike didn't even really have a deep plot, but nonetheless, you know, you go to these movies for fun, you go to these movies for excitement, uh, you go to the movies just to like zone out and just watch people party and have a good time, right? And then this guy makes some money and he kind of does this wholesome thing of building furniture on the side. And you're like, you know what? I can back this guy. He's trying to he's trying to do something good. He's trying to build his his own business and he might not love what he does, but he's a good dude and he makes money partying. Like we could all get behind that, right? Yeah. But that's not what you see in this next one. And I mean I guess I guess kind of. But they, they tried to make it so much of a love story and I could not buy the love story. You know, you and I talked about that. I could not buy the chemistry.
0: I was and so they, I was so into it.
1: <laughs> their their chemistry it just felt off. It, it, it felt weird. Uh
0: like the dance at the very end was awesome. Like that was probably one of the best dances one, out of all the movies. Don't one of the best I I I will flat out say it. I'm sure people will argue with me, but no, for my money, one of the best dance scenes in like modern movie history. I mean you yes, you can keep yeah, all your like I classic mean, there, MGM there, there, musicals and stuff, day, but like it's incredible. Yeah. Money. Yeah, I, I would. I would go back to the movies just to watch that dancing. I w- I would too. I mean, when it when it inevitably pops up on HBO, I will be revisiting three scenes, which is the montage of hiring the dancers. Um yep. Probably his striptease. You know, the opening dance for Selma, which I will also probably like put my own sou- soundtrack over because I kind of hate that music cue and <laughs> it goes on way <laughs> too long. But uh, and then I will rewatch that final. Yeah the final Mike dances in the the wet the wet set um is incredible dude it's so good so yeah it, it,
1: it was it was it was it was awesome but like you know they they based this whole movie on on these two falling in love and i just never once felt the chemistry and as i'm watching this dance and these flashbacks i'm like you know i i just don't buy it so it was it was tough for me to like actually dive in like like you did and and when he says, I love you, I'm like, for what? You've you you known each other for two
0: days. You said, to be fair, you said, he was like, you've known her for like two days. I was like, dude, he's been there for a month. He's been there for a month, Brent. <laughs> some people fall fast. A month still feels quick. Hey, just remember as Tavares taught us, it only takes a minute, girl, to fall in love.
1: <laughs> but you haven't watched California Cation yet, but the guy's dad there says
0: 10 minutes for 10 years. I've loved them all. <laughs> okay okay
1: uh but uh but yeah so but it does have the sparks you know some of the sparks i I do wish that they brought the whole band back together uh
0: yes that i mean that that is a that is a spoiler but i also think something worth knowing if you were on the fence about going to see the movie that that was the only letdown for me is like that you don't get the crew which in retrospect it's like xxl is the crew movie like it's the hanging out with the dudes movie, which is why I think we've I come out of it now. And if we're ranking them, it, it's two one three. It's 2-1-3, two, two three. Three.
1: Yeah. Without a doubt, I mean it's, it's two and one, and then I would like to put three in a whole another universe that doesn't coincide <laughs> with that one.
0: <laughs> I uh, like I, it, but I, again, I, I, I am know, a, a smack now. I, I didn't hate it that bad. I just it wasn't the other two, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Again, I I always feel like I have to put this as a caveat. I am so in the bag for Steven Soderbergh that his movies like start at an eight for me, um, yeah. and and very few three, of them right. ever dip below that because I just I love what he does so much. Anyways, uh, so yeah, we were a little more divided, but you know what? We still had a great time at the movies because that's that's what it's about. We're always, we're always so we uh, are we gonna go see Marlo tomorrow? Uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> the new uh, Liam Neeson, Philip Philip Marlowe movie? They're doing a film noir out of nowhere. Um, maybe so it'll so be is, good. You say Marlowe, and I'm over here like, am I supposed to know this already? I don't think that I, I've heard of Marlowe yet. Now that we're talking about it, I haven't heard of it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a weird one that they're randomly they're releasing it like the day before Ant-Man, I think, just because they're like, hey, maybe some old people will want to go see this. but uh, Is it, it going to be another one like, the train and take in and taken where he's No, 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 no! that's why I am actually interested in this one, because no, it's not old man action, it's old man detective, uh, like, LA 40s film noir, um, we'll see, I'm gonna go watch the trailer and see if it's worth going to, if not, I guess you and I are seeing Quantumania, uh, we're going
1: to see Quantumania as our next on Thursday, thing. and I will let your viewing, listening population know that that is more of a me thing at this point, <laughs>
0: absolutely um and maybe we'll actually record in person so people don't have to put up with your weird phone audio but yeah we'll let you know what we thought of is whatever we go see is it bad next right now? say what is it bad right now I mean I it sounds like it's going to be okay to me as long as people can hear you and that's why it's also just a brief little segment of this episode which I'm about to end very very soon but uh, thank- uh do go see the movies though especially Knock
1: in the Cabin Knock in the Cabin is, is worth a watch uh Magic Mike if you're expecting the other two it's not going to be the other two yes
0: temper your expectations yes Uh yeah temper your expectations with both of those and you'll have a great time
1: and you'll have a great time you'll have a great time Noah and I are going to go check out Marlo tomorrow maybe and then we'll definitely hop on for Ant man uh, I'm a big Marvel guy, so I like I can sit there and talk about that all the time. Absolutely.
0: Uh, yeah, maybe we'll do that and talk about just the current state of the the MCU and uh, how we're how we're feeling about it these days because we haven't really <laughs> cracking all over the place. We haven't really uh, addressed that uh, on the on the network. I'm sure everybody's waiting for us to weigh. in. <laughs> yeah. 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 I agree. Anyways, uh, so thank you to Mr. Brendan Riley for guessing, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and wrap it up while you're here on the phone with me, and then you and I can keep oh, talking. I'm going to take over your mic for a
1: second and let everybody know to come back for the Mission Impossible uh, segments that we're going to be doing. Uh, Noah being the guy he is, he always gets us motivated, and I actually just went back and watched the d series <laughs> over the past two weeks, and uh, it did not disappoint. And So I'm excited to talk to you all when that gets
0: around. Dude, I I love the energy. This is this is now officially the fourth time that that has been plugged on this episode. <laughs> uh, anyways, so yes, uh, Brenda, I already said that you will be joining us for Rogue Nation and Fallout. Uh, we're yep. looking forward to those episodes. So yeah, come with yep. us on the road to reckoning and uh, stick around for more reviews and uh, another one of these captains logs sometime in the future. Until next time, I have been Noah. Thank you for listening.